0: Asia Tech Podcast, voice of the Asian tech ecosystem.
1: Welcome to Ashley Talks Supercut number 21. Today we're speaking with the amazing Edith Wong. She's the partner at 500 Startups in Greater China. In fact, Edith was selected by Inks Magazine as one of the Silicon Valley's investors you definitely must know. She has invested in over fifty blockchain, mobile, AI startups, all across the world and in China in particular. Edith, I'm excited to have you on the show.
2: Yeah, thank you for having me, Ashley.
1: Fantastic. Uh, tell us about your journey. Where are you from, and how have you ended up in San Francisco Bay investing on the, all those investing global startups?
2: Uh, so, my I'm actually born and raised in Hong Kong. Um, right. I, I, I love Hong Kong and a big part of my family is still there. Right. Um, they came to the U.S. Uh, when I was 16 years old. Um, I was an exchange student. I think, you know, at the time my parents just decided, you know what, you need to go to the U.S. and go find your way. Oh. Um, very, very fortunate. Uh, I stayed with an uh, American family in the Midwest. Right. They were they were actually they're really funny. And I was very, very fortunate. They're not only american but they're so um they they were square dance um caller oh uh, they teach square dancing and for, for <laughs> some of you don't even know what it is It's basically very traditional american folk dancing and for a year they swear they wanted to train me into the first chinese um asian square dance. dancer <laughs> uh, yeah which i i became uh, but <laughs> long, long so short, I've uh, been in the U.S. for over 20 years and started as an exchange student. I went to Purdue uh, in Indiana, and then after that, my first job pretty much uh, shipped me out to Silicon Valley.
0: Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at ATP show.
2: Uh-huh. I started my career as a uh, as a developer. Actually, I was focused on building risk management system and billing system for. Various different uh, telecommunication operator, uh, and then I joined a a, um, a CRM company called SIBO Systems. Mm-hmm. Did really really well, and or- uh, Oracle bought Siebel, uh, uh, acquired SIBO Systems. So I went to Oracle, um, focus on on again CRM uh, enterprise Im- implementation, and mm-hmm. then after Oracle, I joined Autodesk. Autodesk make AutoCAD, a lot of uh, building, and also like 3d and animation software right Uh, and then basically spent 10 years mostly enterprise software
1: yeah
2: and after all that i realized you know what enterprise is really boring Uh, i can't take it anymore and uh, (laughs) along with me i um, started my own entrepreneur meetup group and in san francisco and uh, sort of really wanted to want new sets of friends I had a really good, great run in the enterprise space but I realized what I knew really wasn't I wanted to create my own thing and all my friends at the time are all working really happy in in the corporate so long so short I grew a small meetup group from 5 to 10 to 30 to 100
1: to 300 to 800 whoa people. a small group it, of 800
2: <laughs> yeah it turned into a sort of like a media conference business and um i ran it for a couple of years learned a lot and and then in the process of that i met a chinese entrepreneur from mainland china but i met him in silicon valley yeah and and uh, at the time uh, he was showing me a a product that he built uh, he was uh, him and his team were all ex-microsoft guys and uh, built an Android mobile browser called Dolphin. Mm-hmm. And when I met him, I was actually quite inspired because before meeting Yongzhi, Yongzhi Yang is his name, mm-hmm. I never met anybody else from mainland China that was so passionate about building something that is not about making money, it's really about making an impact. Mm-hmm. And, and I really enjoyed meeting him. And, and after six months, he convinced me I should drop everything else I was doing and I should join him. Oh, he's and very I, persuasive. <laughs> yeah, it, it was interesting to me because uh, before that, I never worked with anybody who's from mainland China, mm. even though you know, half of my family are from mainland China, my family in Beijing and Guangzhou. But he was the, the first one to convinced me and basically say, said to me that he's going to be the next Jerry Young.
0: Oh, uh-huh. yeah, okay.
2: Um, so I decided, you know what? I didn't know any, know anything about mobile internet, and I wanted to learn that. And also sure short, I joined and had a really good run. We grew Dolphin from zero to two hundred million install. Wow. Um, and learned a lot, like particular focus on mobile user acquisition, um, and growth. And mm-hmm. we we um lo- and we sold. Uh, we raised also a really good experience. We raised uh, Series A from Sequoia, China, Matrix Partner, and Qualcomm.
0: Mm.
2: Uh, most of this, I would say, investing or, or raising money experience was actually from that uh, for me personally. Yeah. Uh, then I joined 500 uh, right after we sold Dolphin Browser to uh, Changyou. Changyo is a publicly a NASDAQ-listed uh, gaming company Really, mm. really successful in China. And after we uh, saw that, and then I decided I wanted to really learn and do more um, investments. And and here, here we are today, which has been with 500 now for three years. Been a really amazing run. Learned a lot. And my biggest learning is um, investing, like managing a fund is really different from doing angel investments. Right. Right. Um, and there's so much else that I need to think about on a daily basis that I really didn't need to do before, um. But yeah, so sorry. This is just a- no,
1: this is this is this is absolutely beautiful. I went into trance there, you know, just imagining Edith, you know, coming from Hong Kong at sixteen and you know learning uh, basically uh, line dancing, uh, you know, with the with the American host family, and then becoming a developer, and then slowly and gradually becoming an investor and managing such a cool fund. I mean, this is a beautiful story. Um, you said it's very different to be managing a fund and investing by yourself. So there's a lot more things you need to think about. What are exactly the biggest differences?
2: Um, I think the number one goal, um, well, at least when I first started angel investing, it was I felt, oh, I underst- I understood uh, mobile monetization or growth or marketing or PR, or whatever that I felt like, okay, why don't I? You know, put some of my own money in and help them at the same time, if I was right. going to help anyway, why not you know own some like invest in equity and grow with a company right and and that mentality is quite different from what I think about today because as a fund manager is about maximize return for our investors for the fund, and sometimes. You know, when I was angel investing, it was more or less great. You know, I put whatever I can put in and, um, I don't think about how much percentage of equity I own, right. Oh, to, to maximize my potential return. And a lot of times, um, I, I think, I guess some of the your audience who listen to the podcast, um, you may be are startup founders and, you know, angels usually wouldn't, you know, follow on unless they when you raise Series A and B, and if they own, let's say, one percent, right? To maintain that one percent, they need to continue to invest, right? And most of the angels don't think about that way. They're not going to say, "Hey, I put fifty thousand dollars in, and I'm going to have another, I don't know, 200000 $200, dollars to make sure that I maintain my equity." It's not mm-hmm. about that. Yeah. Um, versus a fund manager um, is actually about maximize returns so therefore I when I invest in something is not just because I like this founder or this is a great idea yeah is I really need to see, think hard that the investment that I do today I better have true conviction for I and mean, so 500 do a lot of early investments right so many right. of First IPO uh, Twilio and Sangrid, we waited good seven eight years to get to Ooh. that point. Just took a long time. So if you think about that, then I better have enough conviction. First off, to like you enough to spend eight years with you, and yeah. second, um, continue to have enough um, investment dollar to support. So that is really worth our energy because we actually own enough of the company and this is very different like i and then on top of that right i let's say i have uh, let's say hypothetically a 10 million dollar fund and for me to spend this 10 million i have to think about all right there are hundreds and thousands of great companies but i only have limited resources Mm -hmm. so what should i focus on and um, and I actually have a very good conversation with many of the early stage founders mm-hmm. is just be more, more clear about the type of investors that you want.
1: Right. Um, and what are yeah. the options? Um,
2: mm-hmm. And many, uh, the, yeah, and the options are early stage in, uh, investment fund or or angel. Um, they usually have limited resources and yeah. the likelihood of an early stage Investor or an angel of them leading your series A is not high right. and can pretty much tell that by the size of the fund, um, what how much more they can potentially do with you, even though you could be amazingly successful, right? Mm. Um, versus that, if you are thinking about a series A, and that's why I think is good. And, and by the way, many later stage, let's say series A, B they don't do early stage either,
0: right? Mm. Because
2: they spent on evaluating your company for a $100,000 check versus a $3 million check is sort of the same t- time spent. Right. So why wouldn't they spend more time with a more mature companies? Um, Absolutely. Um, and then also sometimes, um, which is something that some I also struggle is – um, which vertical or industry and also on top of that geography mm-hmm. that focus on because sometimes like if you focus on more niche let's say industry or less i i'm really into blockchain these days right right but um just like if if there's certain like i want to spend more energy to really learn this so i understand and i will invest in this
0: mm-hmm. um
2: but at the same time, you like I'm also making a bet, right? A bet of um, blockchain is here to stay and will last. So, so a lot of times, and you also wanted to think about as a founder, um, do you, do you want to go after more vertically driven investor where they understand what you're working on? Right, of course. Language, um, and then at the same time. Usually, these sort of funds are smaller, and mm-hmm. you are there to think about if you're going to be built here to build the next uh, SpaceX. Um, you really need a lot of capital to get it to the point to go to market. So, um, so I and on top of that, any I'm 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 actually sitting in San Francisco right now, and I can tell you most of my co- uh, you know, VC colleagues, right. They don't invest in China. They just don't because it's the different geography. So, of course, I think as as a as an educated, you know, startup founder and CEO, you you, you because you need capital to continue to grow, which force you all of us to have a better understanding of how venture capital work. Because at the end of the day, um, my goal as a VC is to maximize return yeah. on on investing in companies that I understand that right. it will have high potential of growth. And as you, as a startup founder is to make sure that your company don't die
0: <laughs> uh,
2: to, and so you can grow and thrive and go IPO or wherever, like wherever you want to go and hopefully partner with people that you can learn from and enjoy to be with and push you at the same time. So that's Mm -hmm. actually really changed my mindset quite a bit, and realizing just because the goal of being an investor and the goal of being an angel and plus the goal of being a founder really different, very Mm. different, and we just have to understand where each other coming from, and so you don't waste your time, you know, talking to people that really have no absolutely no interest. In what you're doing, nor ever be able to afford to invest in what you're doing.
1: Absolutely. And uh, you, you said that you invest in China a lot, and some of the colleagues are not. How does it usually work for you in particular? Do uh, interested projects come to you, or do you need to dig them up? And what is the percentage split in there?
2: Um. There's actually. That's a great question. I think that all each investor have. All of us have different style in terms mm. of how we want to invest or how we wanted to reach out or uh, attract uh, the right type of companies to start conversation yeah. um, I think right now that's why sometimes is actually easier if you are vertically driven because let's say um I'm been focused on on blockchain recently and if you ask me, hey, like, what are some of the scalability-focused uh, blockchain companies out there? I can name all of it. Yeah. Um, versus, if if you let's say if I'm not vertical focused and I'm I just wanted to invest in you know anything in China that is fintech and even that itself is quite broad because right. fintech is a lot of different. Could be insurance it could be peer-to-peer, you know, loan platforms and credit score there's so many and um, payment there's so many things so i think that the key thing is to make sure if you're a founder um it's not difficult to figure it out who are actively invest um, mm. in your industry and mm-hmm. i think you know for 500 each of the partners Um, and by the way it's not just 500 all the vc firms out there even though they invest in a variety of things, but most of the time, um, each of the partner or associate do pick two or three uh, uh, vertical or industries. Industry.
1: Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: So so let's say um, for for me personally, I, I enjoy being more clear on okay, I just really like blockchain and AI related things, um, and I really want to focus on China focus, and mm-hmm. that narrow it quite a bit. So. When I do any sort of speaking, or um, on social media, or right. doing any other type of writing, um, I usually every I would say, don't call me on it, but probably every six months, yeah, uh, pretty much ta- repeat to basically broadcast. Hey, the- these are some of my opinion on yeah. this vertical. So whenever people come to me. I would repeat that because you don't have to guess what I'm looking for.
0: Right, right, of um, course.
2: And so most of the folks that reach out, regardless they their CEOs, founders, or actually even other investors, is just make it easy uh, for, for them to reach out because they already know this is what I'm interested in. Um, but once in a while, I think that you just never know. Um, I certainly have invested in many other things that, Sometimes it's off thesis. (laughs) So so the best um, founders and investment are actually usually my either coming from other like CEOs that I have invested in or um, other investors that I really respect. Um, Those are usually how I found, I guess, the most um, some of the some of the great founders I've invested in came from that, that.
1: Absolutely. That's beautiful. And out of all the companies that you invested in or probably saw around yourself being invested and growing, who are uh, your favorite and most successful cases? What was their unique business idea and how were they successful? And at the same time, were there any failures that you would say like, okay, you know what, we really we really missed that out because it was a great idea, but it just didn't realize.
2: Yeah, I I have so many. I have so many. Um, I was like, let's start with one. I I I really enjoy um, meeting Parna Gupta. Uh, uh-huh. She's the founder and CEO of Hook. Hook is the number one uh, reading app uh, in the US for millennial. Right. And I really enjoy meeting her, and she's actually referred by another investors that I really respect. And I think when I first met her. Um what attracted me about Perna was she previously sold um her previous company she sold it to Smule, which is mm. a music. Um done really, really well there. Um uh, but when we met, uh Hook was a concept, in fact it was a completely different name. Okay. And she was really, really great at and this is an example of if if you're working on something that is more on the idea stage rather than a full-blown product right she, even though there weren't i there, there was no full pro- product but she did an amazing job to like quantify the potential size of the market so what what she did was um buying sample advertising on facebook and actually attract a substantial amount of interest wanting to are uh, ready to go and waiting for her product right and, and she was able to Prove that very, very clearly. Um, and just really great with metrics from day one. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. These are the three or four metrics that matter. And I'm going to raise money to focus on, on that. And so I just really, really enjoy that. And, and um, definitely an, an amazing, and she had done really, really well. And mm-hmm. I, uh, failure um, I have one big failure um, that I didn't. Tell get us in- all
1: about it. We're excited in failures
2: as well. <laughs> yeah. I I um, met this entrepreneur. This is actually right um, maybe three months before I set up the fund with 500. And he was actually a colleague from the industry that um, from Eastern Europe. And uh, the app was actually about, it's called Luxury. And the app is about like changing how you look, uh, your face. I mean, you can add some really f- funny um, you know, avatar on your face or you right. can look like a cat and actually alter how your face looks. And um, I think at the time I, I really, really liked the entrepreneur, but the idea was so novel right. that nobody else has done it before. And sometimes I think my biggest epiphany as an early stage investor is that because I'm early stage, so which means if I'm investing in another Instagram, forget about it. It's too late.
0: Right. right.
2: Yeah. And versus I I have to force myself to continue to learn and be open-minded on new things that I have not seen before and trying to make sense out of this. Yeah. And so at the time, uh, this entrepreneur, his name is Victor and Victor as a very seasoned uh, entrepreneur, and he was showing me what he was working on. I thought it was interesting, but then at the same time, it was just so novel that I said, okay, I'm very interested in helping you. I started helping him anyway, and I said, would you let me invest? And he said, of course, when you're ready, when you set up your fund. Um, and that sort of gone on for three, three or four months. And, and then when I was ready, I asked him, I said, hey, I'm ready now. And he's like, Oh, I'm so sorry. We're going through some legal changes. And when he's, and anybody say that, which means that some sort of MA is happening. Oh, and anyway, is it wasn't like even me fighting with any other investor. He, he self-funded the whole thing. Yeah. And, and, uh, (laughs) and basically because sometimes you said like uh, these merger acquisition, you don't, you don't want to announce it from day one. Yeah. So, yeah, of course. Uh, I later on found out, and another six months go by. Um, and funny enough, I was actually the person who introduced him to the person to help him with the M <laughs> and A transaction. Oh. Uh, but they sold it to. Um, he sold it to Snapchat for one hundred and fifty million. Whoa. Yeah. So the business uh, was, was
1: successful. It was just your uh, participation in it was not, right?
2: No, no. Yeah, As a fund manager, if you see a great investment and you didn't do it, this is a failure. <laughs> because you could have, but, but in life, there's no could have, would have. I think is it's all about when you see something you believe in, just go for it. Just go for it. And Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, <laughs> And right yeah. now,
1: it brings me to the topic of blockchain. You mentioned several times they are, that they are super excited about it. Um, so in terms of blockchain and China, it's very sensitive right now, right? Um, what is your vision of the future? How this blockchain technology will transfer, trans, uh, basically change the world? And um, how will it do that in particularly in China?
2: Um, so there is, There's multiple part of the answer for your question. I think to start with, um, I'm excited about blockchain because I love, uh, blockchain really changed how I think about ownership of data, store value, Mm -hmm. and just how we incentivize various different owning resources. Um, if, If you think about the concept of um, actually, you know the concept of Napster or BitTorrent been around for a long time, right? Right. Um, and obviously, the copyright is a different different story. But the concept of hey, Ashley, if you own this piece of music, and w- and you're closer to me um, in terms of distance, why should I go all the way to a centralized server to download something if I can just get it to you, get it right, from right, you, right? Right. And vice versa. And if if the architecture is done right, and you contribute, in, in our case, it was a piece of music, but uh, for BitTorrent or for, for uh, Napster, but it really could be storage, bandwidth, or any CPU power. And the whole idea of blockchain is really about, like... How and, and actually, this particular concept is IPFS, but the blockchain architecture sort of enable that. And I, I really sort of enjoy thinking from a technology point of view, right? How it changed how I think about a lot of things. Um, but this is more geeky side of me,
1: <laughs> and, <laughs> which is beautiful.
2: And and I think that it's still really really early. Um, it's not. I, I think this year, twenty eighteen, is slowly sort of wanting to see more enterprise or maybe more application that could potentially to build on these data architecture, which we call blockchain. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, the idea of, you know, sort of distributed systems been around for a long time. This is not new. What is new is now there is a whole token economy and really push it sort of like open source um, meet capitalism from day one, right. so there's more of a reason for for the community, regardless as developers or people who are consuming or providing resources, um, to be in this like economy um, that they sort of created for themselves. So, so anyway, I think that's why I'm excited about it, and mm-hmm. that's why I think because it's early, a lot of um, my focus. It's uh, b- still been focused on more infrastructure uh, type projects, which means scalability, uh, sc- um, privacy, identity, security. And um, related to China, China is actually really supportive of blockchain technology. Right. And in fact, uh, the Hangzhou government and Sunjin governments both have established um, different investment funds uh, to support and invest in these projects. Um, but what China is not supportive is all these crypto exchanges.
0: Right, uh, right, or of course.
2: Any sort of initial coin offering, uh, they particular against it because they're in particular in 2016 and 2017, there was so much hype that yeah. um, anybody under the sun are investing in some sort of ICO. Um, it's crazy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And so much fraud was going on all over China, you know, you know I mean, I lived in mainland China, you've been uh, working with mainland China for a very long time. The moment people feel that, you know, there is an opportunity, they get fanatic about it, just like with um, Gu Piao, right? Just like with stocks, they just all go and they all invest, right? Yeah. So with ICO, they thought it was the next big thing. And a lot of people, I guess, also lost their money in the process.
2: Yeah, and I so in some way I under I completely understand it, and um, for for my positioning is I I love this is one of my own personal um, passion is I really enjoy helping Chinese companies to go overseas and go go global, and I think blockchain created really an interesting phenomenon because the Chinese government is a little bit sensitive to some of these projects, so right. Of oh, these project uh, owners and founders, uh, from day one, they they sort of have to build a global companies. Um, so, so I uh, Ashley, you and I met in Hong Kong, right? And, uh, I'm sitting in San Francisco, but I swear to God, I, I've been meeting more mainland founders, uh, Chinese <laughs> founders, uh, being in Hong Kong or in uh, San Francisco, more than like ever because many of these great talents um, are setting up shops in both of our, both Hong Kong and San Francisco because they need to reach out like they want to reach international consumers and developers this is not all just chinese anymore absolutely and uh, why
1: do you think that rise of china's entrepreneurship um, is happening right now china's been an entrepreneurial for you know for the past 15 20 years
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, at least, you know, in the mobile days, I mean, mobile is still so strong, um, in, in, in China. Um, so the internet 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, whatever we call what it is now. And China market itself, um, have grown so much. Right. So I would say most of the mobile, uh, entrepreneur in China. Uh, or any sort of e-commerce mobile payment or um, honestly even AI autonomous car all, many of these really like huge trends just looking at China market alone is enough yeah yeah In, enough for you to go public um, we we have some amazing companies that now the top 10 of the world unicorn we're talking about uh, DD the, right. the DD or uh, right. Xiaomi, and hopefully they are going public very soon in Hong Kong. These yeah. are world-class, and or at least world, world-class valuation anyway.
0: <laughs> right, and, of course.
2: And, and just serving the China market alone, they can already have enough growth and user base and revenue. And they really didn't really even have to think about outside of China to get to the unicorn status. Right. Um, so in the mobile days and key e-commerce day, and in fact, even today, it doesn't matter as much as I'm really bullish on the future of blockchain. There's many things really don't in many in the businesses that you don't really need the blockchain for that. I, I think exactly. that this, these days, um, I, I think there's some interesting concept that for sure, could be developed for e-commerce and for sure logistic and supply chain but yeah you don't need uh, blockchain to be an amazingly successful e-commerce company and so i think um right now for blockchain is it is sort of half sensitive because of chinese government yeah and and then also blockchain are international from day one is because it's still such an early stage and we need world that like developers from all over the world to help contribute to make this ecosystem better is not for, for consumer. It's not for prime time yet. Yeah. Um, so therefore there's, it's sort of borderless. Yeah. Um, because of that reason, because it's all open source. Right. Say the minute that we go mature enough, let's say for blockchain, right. Or anything like for, uh, for mobile when you are mature enough. And by the way, I don't, I don't, I don't even remember the days that you know in China there's no Android phone or smartphone. <laughs> so, but it was like that. Like with the very beginning of Android days, is only in the U.S. because right. Android wasn't proven. iPhone there's no Chinese app right when it first came out. It, of course, it won't be in China because the U.S. haven't even figured that out. Yeah. So, so I think that any industry, um, the minute that we get to a point where the consumer level i there's um China is a, such a huge huge consumer market. it's going to be the number one market for the, at least i i think for the next 20 at least the next 20 years yeah so anything that is get to the consumer level adoption China is for sure there um, yeah so it depends on industry
1: yeah. No, that's beautiful. Um, and in terms of China, uh, there are so many cool companies out there, as you said, startups. And uh, do you have a favorite startup coming out of China and going global or just throw us a couple of names uh, who we should definitely follow and watch out for?
2: I have so many. Uh-huh. Ooh. I, I think that to start with... Mm, Okay, I'll give one more consumer, one more, one more enterprise. Right. Um, I got to know, and uh, and I'm proud advisors for this company called Castbox. So. Oh yeah. Uh, Castbox is a actually Ashley, you would know.
1: Yeah, yeah. They they reached they, out to me. They're very exactly. aggressive.
2: <laughs> that's, that's great, and um, the team. I I was very impressed the first time I met. Uh, Xiaoyu, who's the founder and CEO, she is a go-getter and uh, she learned how to code on her own and she uh, spent some time at Google and basically got her, all her f- close friends from Google to sort of wanted to create. Um, and by the way, like in the US, for the longest time, podcast really wasn't any, like it been around for a long time, but it was sort of, Mm, was sort of quiet for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. China really was the, the country that sort of bring up the the pay um, audio content uh, wave. And there's a really m- well known popular app in China called Himalaya. Uh, right, right,
1: right. Himalaya, of course. Mm-hmm.
2: And um, they do amazingly well. And you know, there's very many sort of different. Type of content like fiction non like comedy jokes yeah and, yeah and literature and that this concept exists in in non-chinese countries but they really like i think china took it to a different level so inspired by that Castbox is about that and and if you think about it right not not let alone with audio if you look at um i was reading about this past week netflix valuation if i'm not mistaken definitely over hpo or, or right yeah
1: it is it is like, yeah
2: and and uh, they're really really good with online and and particularly now even same thing for amazon and by the way so as alibaba and tencent they're all investing in original content and the combination of understanding how do you acquire and personalize content online, regardless is mobile or PC and, and plus you are in control in producing new original content. That's yeah. super powerful. And a video, uh, certainly done that and audio rec- anywhere in the world just haven't done enough. And yeah. so I think that there, there's definitely for sure going to be more and more, um, of the cast box of the world. And they they have a team in Beijing and in San Francisco now. And I'm just so impressed and amazed of the efficiency and how hard this team work. Yeah. Um, just oh, like nothing but impressed. Um, so right. that's one example. That's CastBox. And there's another company uh, that called Agora. So mm-hmm. uh, Agora is basically video chat as a service. Okay. Um, And the CEO is um, the his the CEO is the former CTO of YY. Um, Okay,
1: Mm
2: -hmm. YY is a very popular uh, live streaming platform in China, so sort of like Twitch of China. Uh, Mm -hmm. And the CTO uh, left. I think now he left three four years ago, and then decided to basically take out his know how and and built um, the. Know this as a as a service. So if you want to implement your own, doesn't matter. Like you could be a medical app, uh, or learning app, or dating app. Uh, any sort of scenario need you need a video chat functions. Yeah. Um, you can you can implement that really easily. So um, this is a know how from China, and they also. Uh, you don't hear it as much because it's a little bit more back end service. Is a SaaS right, model. right, right,
0: right, 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 right. Um,
2: but definitely, I have locally in the U.S., more and more um, mobile developers are telling me they're using Agora. And yeah. Anyways, both of these, one one team from Beijing, another team from Shanghai, all hustling and building, you know, international businesses that you may or may not have heard of, but they're, just, they're an amazing team. and They, they work are there, so-
1: absolutely.
2: Yeah. Very, very and- proud of them.
1: You work with so many uh, founders from many countries. Uh, do you think China has a distinct features to its successful founders and entrepreneurs? Are they hustling more? Are they more hardworking? Are they, you know, do they have a different focus, different ideas? Do they do they work differently? What would be your take on that?
2: Um, workwise, I think that uh, Chinese entrepreneur not only work like nine, nine to nine, like there's this concept of a nine, nine, six, nine, to right, nine. Right,
1: right, 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 of course. 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. six days a week.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's almost seven days a week. And, and uh, I have teams that call me, uh, during Chinese New Year, I was staying in the U.S. Yeah. And, and you would think no one works. Trust right. me, some of them are still working. And in fact, they would call me, I guess two or three PM in the afternoon, which means oh, the dinner time. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. They says they worked so hard that um, and yeah, there's never an excuse for anything that wouldn't get done within 24 hours. And, right, and yeah, it's just amazing. And,
1: this speed is beautiful. Anything apart from working really, really hard. Why? Why do you think they they are working? Is it just that the, you know, it's extremely competitive in China and they need to stay ahead? Is it because that's you know deeply embedded in the Chinese culture? Um, yeah. Is there anything
2: special about them in your view? Um, yeah. I. I. Um, this is my personal view, and right. it's not necessarily can be proven by any. Know, statistics statistics se. yeah definitely I, definitely um i think that so i i was born and raised in hong kong but uh, half of my family uh, were in beijing and guangzhou and i remember like when i was a ki- like when i was 10 years old i still remember the days at my mom's side of the family they still have like meal ticket for food and yeah. many of many of um so like the 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 folks work in whatever, you know, in school or normal jobs. They maybe they make $20, $30 U.S. per month. Just really, really poor. Right. And I think that for the last, you know, tw- 20 years, in terms of in- economic growth, so the the web uh, and the Internet space is one of those countries, uh, industry, that you don't really need to have a family background to be successful. Yeah, And as long as you understand, you work hard, you're smart, and you're efficient, you you can make something out of yourself. And yeah. I think that is a big part of why all these all these Chinese internet companies work so hard. Because um, if you are in your 30s, uh, 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 30s 30 or above, you will remember those hard time yeah, and and you want to work as hard as possible, even though obviously China is no longer really is not a developing country, is a developed right. country. But yeah. we really grew and became developed a country in a very, very short time. So a lot of this word ethic was really about, Hey, making sure that nothing's going to be taken away from me ever again. Yeah. And, and that attitude is very hard for anybody, any other countries to understand. To relate, yeah. It's To relate because even like even for me, and you know, thirty years ago, Hong Kong is very aff- affluent already. Yeah, and and you know, great education, you live well, and you don't really have that hardship. So, so in that sense, I think that. You know, it's just hard, harder for people to understand why Chinese people work so hard. But there is a reason to this.
1: Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Totally, absolutely agree. Um, Plus the, you know, plus that flexibility that government gives them, plus this encouragement, the whole ecosystem and how fast the market is moving, right? You cannot, in China, you cannot walk the same street twice because the shops on that street change every three days. You know, if you're not successful, you're out of business very fast and people are extremely entrepreneurial. They're not afraid to reinvent themselves. And um, I think that, that, that all contributes, but I totally agree that the way, you know, people work hard is actually deeply cultural and it's uh, because of the hardships of the day before. Um, yeah. what about women uh this is going to be our last chunk and i really would love to talk about women i mean you followed a very unusual uh, i would say path you were yourself a developer a developer girl um how did that feel back in the day um do, do, do you encourage more women you know taking charge of technology and going out there and doing stuff do you see china who is by many accounts one of the most successful um economies that integrated female leaders and female entrepreneurs into their, let's say, GDP participation and the whole economy. Um, uh, What can we learn from China in that respect?
2: Mm. I I think that, um, first off, I encourage everyone, not just women, um, to learn, at least have a basic understanding of coding. Um, Because I think that coding should be part of it it's part of building block for a lot of things for the future. Absolutely. And, um, I don't think you need to be great at it, but and in fact, you know, I'm actually I'm the type of person to encourage you identify what you're really great at and, and further that and not trying to overcompensate on things that you're not good at. This is not the best way to optimize society. Right, of
0: course. Yeah.
2: Um, but having said that sort of I, I treat coding as as a language, it's just right. like you learn English. You learn Chinese. is It's going to be a part of part of our lives, either you like it or not.
1: And, and people people might ask. Uh, so I learn coding. What am I going to do with it? Aren't all those smart AI algorithms going to run my life for me? So why am I learning it? How can I actually practically apply it?
2: um I think that is really uh, application is one thing. It's really about the mindset of how you think. Right. Um, and and being able to think about um, like building things and and having like more object-oriented things. So as you're building companies, you wanted to build departments or units and being efficient of you know putting building blocks together and and also be able to have con- meaningful conversation with people who are building, even though you don't need to be that person to do it and. Yeah. And basically, create the empathy of how to communicate with developers. Sort of, why do we learn Chinese? Or you know, somebody who want to learn it is really the learning part is one thing. Is to communicate. It's really for communicate and also understanding the culture. Understanding
1: deeper, people. absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. And
2: so I'm not trying to say that everybody should go build, you know, don't own AI algo. <laughs> in the, in the sense actually. In fact, you don't need to because. You know, like Google, Ali, and Baidu have done amazingly well. They are
1: doing this, yeah.
2: And and you really don't need to, but you you should have a at least basic understanding how these things being apply. And so so that's one. And on the other question that you mentioned in terms of like China and women, um, I I have met many great um, women CEOs and women investors. And obviously, you know, there are so many more men than women in terms of being developers or CEO investors. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but I do think that China are quite welcome and encouraged. Um, I don't really feel that like I because I'm a woman, I have any sort of less or, or more, more or less. I, I don't want to see myself because I'm a woman, therefore I'm different. I would rather yeah. focus on because I really understand my shit. And
0: yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Do better, and it's not a man or women thing. Having said that, of course, just in general, um, we as women, you do just need to know that you know investors, um, yeah. anybody, want to work with people that they can relate to and are more yeah. alike. This is fuck right. of life. Yeah, and and. Yes, if any of us, um, and sometimes I came across, I know that I am different and they uh, may or may not be able to relate as close as certain guys, but I want to point out, hey, I know I'm different, but this is why we can be a better to complement each other. Mm. Match. And I think being a, a good entrepreneur, actually, like yourself or like me for investors, is we all have our own niche. And: Absolutely.: Happen to be women? What's the big deal? But the <laughs> bigger, like, What the bigger deal is to think about how we can complement each other.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And um, uh, I forgot the name of the guy uh, from this big uh, venture capital firm in China who just recently uh, was reading his 10 commandments of investment. And I'm sure you heard the story. So commandment number 10, surprisingly, was never invest in a female founder. (laughs) That made international news. Have you heard about that before?
2: Yeah, that's pretty crazy.
1: Um <laughs> yeah it, it's from uh Ming uh, his name was uh, uh Luo Mingxiong and he's from Jingbei Investments so yeah. it, it was quite it was quite funny um in a country where um, I think 55% of all entrepreneurs in China are actually women. Uh, when I got, uh, about these statistics, I was like, wow, that's, that's quite cool. And we already know that basically 114 out of the world's 147, uh, self-made, uh, female billionaires are made in China, right? And 55% yep. of entrepreneurs and micro-entrepreneurs in China are women. And then the guy comes up with that. I was just like, wow, that's, that's really, really funny. Coming out of China. Yeah. Um, It it mm -hmm. (laughs) happened. Yeah. That's absolutely true. Um, And the final question, will you continue focusing on uh, China? Will you continue focusing on any specific technology? Like if we have listeners right now sitting all around Asia and the world with their fantastic business ideas and they would want to come to you, what portfolio, what what, what exciting projects are you looking for? Where uh, shall they be focusing geographically, industry-wise to attract your attention?
2: Um, I am absolutely focusing on early stage blockchain uh, related projects. That is going to be my focus for the next three to six months. Right. And particularly if there's any other, um, of course, blockchain more so, but any other companies that are thinking about uh, growing internationally outside of China, uh, this is absolutely something that I love talking to you about and thinking through particular on branding and growth and, I am not worried about you building a product and, but everything is all about positioning and to help, you know, how how do you actually position it correctly? So that as you grow, you're not just a Chinese company, you're an international company. And I think it's so much about mindset. Everything else is execution, but to have the right mindset so you can have the right sort of strategy and direction Is more, it's even more important than just go, go, go and work 24 hours a day. Um, As much as I applaud so many amazing Chinese entrepreneurs, it's not just about working hard, it's about working smart. Absolutely. And and help you to really build a big company. When you look, when everything
1: else is the same in terms of the project, what are you looking for in a startup founder?
2: Mm, There's so many things, but I think. The number one thing is, I should never take no for an answer. <laughs> Keep
1: going, guys.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's, I can name so many other things, but I think that would be the number one thing. If if an investor or somebody is you, oh, you can't do it, and you're like, oh, okay, maybe not, then you're really not caught down for it.
1: Edith, thank you so much for this fantastic chat. We learned so much about China, VCs and the way women are hustling their way through in China and the world. Uh, I utterly enjoyed this chat and you delivered tons and tons of values. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Guys, thank you very much for staying with us Today, uh, don't forget to subscribe to Ashley Talks podcast and share this fantastic episode out so more people out there learn about uh, all these uh, beautiful topics and get going in China and globally. We'll chat soon with the next episode coming on Wednesday as always and we're going to be talking about fair employment uh, and business that was built around eliminating global slavery and recently Got on Forbes 30 under 30. We are excited and stay tuned.
2: You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at ATP.show.